0: Hi clubbers, in the spirit of self-care, we're on our summer holidays. So today we're bringing you one of our classic shows to enjoy. We will be back in September with
1: some brand new practices and fantastic shows. Have a great summer and enjoy some of our back catalogue. Welcome to this one-off bonus episode. Yes, we're talking to you and it's not a Tuesday. It's not a Friday. It's a bonus episode because we have an incredibly special guest for you today. We have Evelyn Tribbley on the show to talk about intuitive eating. I'm Nicole Goodman. And I'm Lauren Mishcon and this
0: is Self Care Club Wellness Road Tested, the bonus episode. Evelyn is an award-winning registered dietitian, best-selling author and the co-creator of Intuitive Eating with a nutrition counselling practice in Newport Beach, California. She's written 10 books, including the bestsellers Healthy Homestyle Cooking and Intuitive Eating. Her upcoming book, Intuitive Eating for Every Day, 365 Daily Practices, Inspirations to Rediscover the Pleasures of Eating is going to be published in March. Evelyn grew up in LA California while attending high school she ran and lettered on the boys track team and discovered her strength in going against the grain. In 1984 she qualified for the Olympic trials in the first ever women's marathon. A pivotal moment in Evelyn's life was when her mother was diagnosed with terminal cancer at the age of 64 and she disclosed that one of her biggest regrets in life was dieting. This experience greatly impacted Evelyn's passion for dismantling diet culture. Evelyn describes the mission of her intuitive eating practice and her books as to create the world in which people flourish and thrive without oppression so that individuals will know and own their body wisdom and experiences and be unshakable. In other words, to dismantle diet culture. She is a sought-after expert and has appeared in hundreds of interviews at top-tier publications such as the New York Times, CNN, NBC's Today Show, MSNBC, Fox News, USA Today, The Wall Street Journal, Vogue and the 10% Happier podcast. Evelyn was also the nutrition expert for Good Morning America, appearing from 1994 to 5 and was a national spokesperson for the American Dietetic Association for six years. She was a contributing editor for Shape magazine for 11 years. Many national magazines have rated Evelyn as one of the best nutritionists in the country, including Harper's Bazaar and Red Book. Evelyn's achievements and honours include receiving the American Dietetic Association's Award for Excellence in Private Practice. Additionally, she is a passionate public speaker and frequently provides keynote speeches and full day workshops. Evelyn has a professional membership at the American Dietetic Association, the International Association Eating Disorders Professionals and the Academy for Eating Disorders. She is a certified eating disorder specialist and supervisor and also has certification as a trauma-informed professional. We're absolutely thrilled to welcome Evelyn to our club. Hello. Hello! hello wow
2: that was that was beautiful what what a (laughs) list of
0: achievements
1: wow (laughs) that is incredible it's the best bio i've ever heard i have to say. oh my goodness look at (laughs) oh i don't know what to say to that but i'll say thank you how about that (laughs) well listen evelyn i've i've followed your work for a while you pulled me out the deepest darkest depths of disordered eating so i am beyond thrilled and touched to have you here on the show I actually feel quite emotional talking to you now Mm. would you in your very own beautiful words tell the listeners at home what intuitive eating is and who this practice is designed for
2: yeah, it's basically designed for everybody. And I think you're gonna love, we, we keep we keep evolving the, the definition and I change it depend on who I'm talking to. But one of the ones we use a lot is that intuitive eating is a self-care eating framework. Love it. Where you are at, I know, I know, right? It's like, oh, you guys are gonna love this. You're I got shivers it. already. <laughs> yeah, and so, I mean, you guys know what self-care is, but in order to access that, Oh, holy moly, that often means, you know, well, that's why we have 10 principles to help you access. Well, how do we become an expert of our body? I already am the expert of my body and includes things like, you know, rejecting the diet mentality, uh, challenging the, the food police, which is usually the the inner rules that you've got in your mind that have been collected like dented luggage, you know, from, from diet culture. And, and ultimately, it robs you from the joy of eating and it robs you from, from life. And since you just, since you um, self-disclose Nicole, I mean, when you have suffered through a disordered eating or an eating disorder, or just lots of dieting, it steals you away from the present moment. Your mind is constantly chattering on about the rules of whatever it is that you're doing. And now all of a sudden, you're not connecting with important people and kids in your life and so on. So it's about getting your, your power back it was there all
1: along you know beautiful and I often say that when I gained weight I gained my life back and I Mm. never thought that I would ever be able to really enjoy that but yes absolutely what would you say I assume I'm making a big assumption here that you (laughs) would like everybody and your purpose in life is to build a health for everyone to have a healthy relationship with food
2: you know, that, that's, that's another way we, we describe intuitive eating and that is it, it's about cultivating or repairing a healthy relationship with food, mind and body so that you can flourish and do the things that are meaningful to you and not get sucked into these other, other, um, it's, 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 yeah. <laughs> I tongue tied myself. Sorry about that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> can you tell us what does a healthy relationship with food look like? What does that mean? know what i want to say
2: at at its most basic and people tend to love this so listen carefully um it's about returning to the joy of pleasure of eating eating is supposed to be pleasure but we're wired to enjoy it so pleasure is part of when i say that everyone's like oh in fact i'll tell you what when i'm either well when there's not a pandemic when i'm in a, a group we're eating dinner socializing and i don't know anyone they ask what i do for a living Will often say, I teach people how to enjoy eating and appreciate their bodies. They're, oh, 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 you know. <laughs> So that, that, that's, that's another way of looking at it. And another way of looking at it, see, I have so many ways I, I, I'm always looking to connect with somebody, what's going to be meaningful for you, what's going to help get you on this path. And another way of looking at it, it's about kindness towards yourself, kindness to your mind, kindness to your little cells. I often talk on the biological level because I've never, knock on wood, I haven't had a patient say, I hate my cells. I've had them say, I hate my bodies, but not their little, their little blood cells or their liver cells or brain cells or so. So I start, I start with that, not to be technical, but to have kindness for this little heart of yours that beats every single day, every, every second, whether or not you want it to or not, no matter how mean you've been to your body, your heart is still beating. Isn't that yeah. incredible? I just yeah. I think it's amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And no matter how mean you are to your body, your body still shows up for you every single day
0: exactly it's beautiful exactly yeah you talk a lot about how diet culture forces us to look for answers externally which is where all these problems start arising but could you tell us a bit more about the wisdom that is within within all of us is it within all of us yeah Oh, 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 that that's even a better. Que- they're all
2: great questions. And so I uh, let, let's unpack okay. that it's about the, is about the wisdom in all of us and can we access it? And the answer is yes and yes. But <laughs> and, and here's where, the, where that comes from. The more someone has been stuck in diet culture by whatever name you give it, the diet, the food plan, the lifestyle, the whatever it is. Um, that happens at the expense of connecting to yourself when you are underfeeding your body even though it's a choice your little cells are like oh my god she's killing us oh there's food and next thing you know there's loss of control eating because your body is just trying to survive it's no different than if you were holding your breath for a long period of time you hold your breath for a long period of time. When you finally breathe again, it's going to be a big old inhale. You're taking out everything in the room. And eating is like that too, because it is a quest for survival in life on a biological level. But when that happens to somebody, they don't like how that feels. It feels very disruptive. It's like, oh my God, I can't trust myself. See, I need these rules. It's like, no, actually, let's look at this in a different perspective. Your body is working. I understand it doesn't feel good to have that urgency with eating. I understand it doesn't feel good to eat that way, but this is survival. And the more we can be consistent and kind at nourishing our body, then this ebb and flow and this trust connects. And so every time you honor your hunger with a single body, of food you are repairing trust and that is so so key because what ends up happening is as this trust keeps eroding self-trust keeps eroding it spreads out into other areas of, of your life where you're not trusting mm-hmm. yourself I've had amazing people in tears really successful and brilliant people saying I don't know how to well I won't say I don't know if you're allowed to cuss to very slurry. Oh, thank you Oh, awesome. Okay. I don't know how to fucking eat anymore.
0: And they're saying this with tears. You said that, Nicole. You said that exactly on our main show today. Nicole was talking about she had a period of four or five years of very disordered eating. And as at the crux of it, she was saying to her husband, I don't know how to eat anymore.
1: The minute I decided I wanted to get better and I wanted something better for myself, that was my the biggest fear washed over me because I didn't know how to eat without all of these restrictions and rules and culture and bad toxic messaging around it. I didn't have a clue. It, you know, that's actually a good
2: point. It can feel overwhelming where you go from all this rigidity and rules to like, what do you mean I can eat whatever I want? What do you mean, honor your hunger? It can feel it can, you know what it's like, it's like giving a writer a blank piece of paper and saying, write the best novel in your life. It's very mm-hmm. overwhelming. And what I'm here to say is you get to go at a pace that feels comfortable you. And so when someone says to me, I don't know how to eat anymore, I will gently ask, how often do you connect with your body for your eating decisions? How often do you connect with your wants, and desires and satisfaction? And usually the answer is zero. How about any time in your life? And it's zero, or maybe when they were little kids, I'll say, well, that's why. So it's not about not knowing, it's about listening. You haven't had the practice because when you are outsourcing your eating decisions based on some food plan, some guru, some influencer, that's the expense of getting to know your body. But a beautiful thing happens as you begin to feed your body here body i'm gonna take care of you here little blood cells this is for you <laughs> i do this i do this with my patients they they laugh at me but it it, it it connects this is healing every time this is healing every time and sometimes to recognize oh my god I'm, I'm primal hungry right now. It's not a binge. I haven't eaten in six hours. No wonder I want to eat everything. It's a normal consequence. So I have people start noticing. Notice when your body is working. And let's start with a practice of kindness. Where do you want to start? So those are some ways to look at this. And at the same time, let me say, it is very normal to feel overwhelmed. It is very normal to feel conflicted. Welcome to your humanity <laughs> is what I'd say on that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> most people in fear of putting on weight is is that the real crux of it they don't
0: want their body shape to change and, and can that happen well, with intuitive eating when you begin it
1: well
2: here's it, oh these are all such good questions let me un- unpack them. Um, so what directly by the way but i gotta explain some stuff first, is that intuitive eating is a healthy relationship we're not focused on the size of the body. The problem is, and the challenge is if you are pursuing intentional weight loss, that interferes with the process of intuitive eating. And so I will often say one of three things can happen. Your your body can stay the same, your body can go up in weight or can go down as well. And it doesn't mean that you're doing it wrong. It means we have body diversity. And one of the things that's so important to to recognize is how profound fat phobia is. A lot of what we're describing has been a social conditioning of fat phobia, which is also rooted in racism. Hundreds of years ago that it's still with us. And that's why when I talked about the the, you read the dedication of the book about being free from oppression. It's, it's recognizing that this didn't happen out of nowhere. And sometimes, you know, this is kind of interesting to do is I'll have my patients reflect on and explore what is your body lineage? What, how are bodies talked about in your family, your grandma, your aunts, your uncles, are they gossiped about? And, and if the answer is yes, doesn't everybody, well, that's an example of body hierarchy. Well, where did that come from? And that's why this can be so daunting. And so for those who have fears about their body changing. I'll say, I say it is completely understandable because of the toxic culture Mm -hmm. that we're living in. We're seeing some changes, thank goodness, but it can be frustrating. You can intellectually get intuitive eating. You're like, I'm in, this makes so much sense and still be terrified. We'll have these lingering. So my body's going to be the one that changes that, that is just part of our, 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 um, socialization it doesn't mean you can't do intuitive eating it's common to be conflicted there's nothing wrong with you nothing you are not it's so interesting because nicole and i come at
0: this from such different perspectives i i call myself an abnormally normal eater (laughs) Um, she is i I mean all of this woman and her relationship with food i don't diet i've never dieted and i live by the mantra your feelings are not in the fridge so when you said on the podcast Um, food should be Switzerland. To me, food is Switzerland. There is no good, there is no bad, there is no moral judgment. When I'm hungry, I eat. When I'm full, I stop. I never feel guilty. Food is joy, food is life. And I totally understand when you lose people in your life to cancer and you see them waste, to me, that thinness, that emaciated to me, I associate that with being sick. So it's, but having said all that, and we discussed this on the show, I don't want to be fat. You see, I still have, Mm. there is still something very much ingrained in that, in that diet culture, in the the things that we see and that we're told to be and how we're told to look. Yes. Yes. Well, and and that,
2: and what, what I hear a lot, well, here's something I want you to consider in that. So what we're talking about is, is fat phobia. And when we look at the way fat people are treated in our culture, maybe a really good example of is fat celebrities. Mm-hmm. Instead of, you know, focusing on their talents and their gifts, they're being denigrated on their, on mm-hmm. their bodies. And what happens with intuitive eating when someone has thin privilege, meaning that you are someone's Your body size can fit on an airplane. You can get clothing at most stores and so on. What happens when you make peace with your food and make peace with your body? You go out into into, into culture and you're celebrated. You're eating a a cupcake. Oh my God, you go, look at her go. But you take somebody in a large body who's made peace with their body and made peace with their eating and they go eat a donut in public. Oh my God, they're bullied, they're shamed. And that's why we have a lot of work to do. And that fear that you're talking about, when I I say to my, my patients, it's important to come from this from a sense of of compassion you know that we have been indoctrinated in this way we've been socialized in this way and look at what this fear can end up doing this kind of power and instead let's connect with our humanity do you, you know? feel a
0: part of it is also this patriarchal idea that women should be small <sighs> that we shouldn't take up too much space in the world you know it's like the good girl be quiet yeah. be small be less than
2: Absolutely. Well, what I didn't, when I, I didn't want to give you too many lists of oppression, <laughs> but when I was telling you that diet culture is rooted in, you know, racism and fat phobia, but patriarchy is with that as well. It's, there's a, actually, there's a really great academic book that really unpacks and it's called Fearing the Black Body, the Racial Roots of Fat Phobia. And it's by Sabrina Strings. And when you read through all this, you go, oh my, oh my goodness. And we'd like to think, well, I'm an intelligent woman. I don't buy into yeah. that. And yet when I have people in my practice who I identify as feminists, I'll say you know when you're on this path of shrinking your body it's I think it's going against your yeah. values and it pisses them yeah. off it's like how can that be it's like well we haven't analyzed and unpacked it we all we don't live in a vacuum we are impacted by culture medicine is impacted by by culture you know wow yeah, yeah. And so then we, we, we start looking at how do we start dismantling it. And I think when we look at a cultural thing, it's like, holy moly, that's a yeah. big idea. Yeah. Let's start with our areas of influence. And that's in your own relationships. How about your kitchen table? How about your home? How about the idea of ending uh, the the legacy of diet culture in your family? You know, we might not be able to change what the media says, but what enters into our home, that all bodies are worthy of dignity and respect. We don't denigrate bodies. We don't gossip about bodies. We don't even compliment on bodies. And the same with food. Imagine, can you imagine eating and not hearing why someone's not having that piece of cake or why, you know... (laughs) It's like, let's connect with how are you doing right now? How are you doing this pandemic thing? Yeah. You know, let's, let's get real and, and connect with what's going on in our lives as opposed to the superficial stuff. This is how it, it robs us from connection. Yeah.
1: I always say that we can have as many International Women's Days as we want. But if a woman still looks in the mirror and still doesn't like the size of her thighs or her ass, and that's the first thing she looks at, then we've still got way, way too much work to do.
2: Yeah, we got to We got to un- unpack this all. Yeah. And again, through the lens of of kindness and even we can start with, you know, thinking about your your own relationships. You know, when you compliment someone's body based on size or based on appearance, that's a form of body hierarchy. How about we compliment instead of, oh, my God, I always feel so happy when I'm around you or you, you know what I mean? complimenting on on, 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 on characteristics as as opposed to appearance based kinds of things. So this is,
1: this is one of the things that I felt very much when I was in my disordered eating and I was a size six with a six pack walking around and I was the most admired and celebrated I've ever been in my Uh. life. And I was the most miserable, the most depressed, the most unhappy, and certainly the most unhealthy. So, isn't
2: that incredible? And I, and I can't tell you how often I hear those stories in my office. And it's really, since profanity is loud, it's a mind fuck. Yeah, Here yeah. you are starving yes. your body, and people are complimenting you, you yes. know? And then I have patients panic oh, my God, if they think I look fabulous like this, what's it mean when I recover? you know and that's why I like look at what are you recovering to what are you going to get back in your yeah. in your life and all those kinds of things you know Beautiful. so that that's the thing when you comment or compliment on someone's body you have no idea what they're going through you could have you could have uh, been pregnant and miscarried and don't want to talk about it you could have cancer or some other kind of thing you could be depressed there's all it's and it's i would love to see that be a cultural change it's none of anyone's business it's
0: if you want to share with someone that's that's a different story there was a great article yeah. about how people speak to little girls versus how they speak to little boys and they said oh. that you know pretty much all adults when they meet a little girl or speak to her they'll say oh I love your hair oh I love yes. your dress but you don't do that with the boys and they said you know it's about time that we say to the girls hey I love that book that you're reading why don't you tell me about it or what mm-hmm. what did you do today what exercise have you done today you know because we from such a young age we're putting them in that box of we're really only interested decoration
1: in yeah
0: yeah decoration. And it all becomes one big
2: performance yeah. even yeah. eating can be performative eating according to the expectations of others versus what is it that i want in need what's going to be satisfying yeah. to me so that's how we lose ourselves. and i think that's why over time i swear i never get tired of hearing this how how it, people will say intuitive eating has changed their life it's life it has changed nicole's life. life it has
1: well, it has changed my life it, it has. because
2: it crosses over as you cultivate trust as you're connecting back with yourself in order to connect with other people you need to connect with yourself as well and it it it's it's
1: beautiful to, to watch and then my life changes being a witness to yeah. all of this and you know? it's, it's not just about a relate your relationship with food of course that's very much on the forefront but it becomes about your relationship it has been for me It became about my relationship with myself. And I learned that through disordered eating. And I learned that through healing my relationship. And and that was through intuitive eating. So I can't, I can't thank you enough. Let's talk about your fantastic new book. Oh, thank you. I would love to <laughs> so, <laughs> t- tell us all about it. Tell us what inspired you to write it. There's 365 practices in there. Isn't there like a practice for every day of the year? Yeah, it, it was it was so beautiful. Tell us a bit about it. Oh, thank you. I'll tell you how it all came about.
2: I <laughs> I would have patients writing down what I say in session and then they would read it back to me. And I'd have patients saying, I wish I could put you in my, my back pocket, you know so I could see you every day, or read you every day. And so that's how this came about is to have these daily little reinforcements. not big when you read the intuitive eating book, it's big. You got the research, we unpack the principles. the workbook is really big, but this is like little daily things like little mantras, little things to think about um so it's kind of it's inspirational but at the same time really doable yes does that make sense very much so yeah so so there's the there's categories there's the intuitive eating principles of course but there's all these other things you'll love this one of the categories is self-care nice. I know it's on page oh, 30 oh. I was about <laughs> oh to refer God. to it oh, you're you, doing oh. all my work for me I love oh, it man, I can I can I can
1: don't I can no, <laughs> you, you'll do it much more justice please
2: oh I don't know well but the thing is if, if we're not taking care of ourselves and I'm talking about the mundane basic boring kind of care like getting enough sleep Enough downtime, transition time. It's going to be hard to hear our cues, let alone. Honor them, and so I look at also at cultivating trust because that's a big one. I've had people say, you know, intuitive eating looks great for other people, but I don't know if my body's working. I don't know if my body will do it. I hear that over and over again. So there's little mantras in there. There's self compassion. There's there's little little themes along the way like you can do it. You got this. Yeah. But in a more meaningful way, it's not false rah rah. It's not like. You know,
1: would thick. you say that the book? Because <laughs> I was obviously struck by the self care section, of course, because we're very into our self care. Would you yeah. say that the book feeds into your self care and wellness as a whole and not, oh, not absolutely. just about the relationship with food, is it?
2: Oh, it's not actually that, that, that you, you, just, you just got in on the whole secret. That's exactly what it is, you yeah. know. And in fact, you know, when Elise and I wrote the Intuitive Eating Workbook, we talk about self-care in a couple of the sections. And we said, you know, if we probably were back in the square one, we probably would have included uh, self-care as an actual principle because it's so mm-hmm. important, you know. And in, in the early days, I spent so much time talking about self-care because I had people coming in frozen from their life, being of service to other people, doing amazing things. but not connected to their own their own bodies and when you think about what it takes to have self-care that means setting boundaries and that's another category in my book loving boundaries I I say loving because I have some people like "I, I can't say anything to my mom or dad it's like yeah you can yeah. Let's let's practice. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. cool. It's called, called no. The word <laughs> no. is a full, a full sentence. No. One of our favorites,
2: <laughs> no right?
1: Big,
2: <laughs> yes. That's right. I completely agree with you on that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Evelyn, what do you do for your own wellness and self-care?
2: Oh my gosh. You know what? There's a lot of different things. It depends on where I'm at. So I, I, I'll tell you some of the things that, I, let, me, let me tell you this. I'm going to tell you, and the reason I'm, I'm stumbling over myself is I don't want to elevate myself as being, oh my God, she's got all her shit together. It's like, <laughs> no, I struggle, okay? So I have a meditation practice, but I struggle with that. I have, mo- I have times where I'm really, really consistent, mm-hmm. but I'll tell you through the pandemic, I, it's been challenging to me. Uh, I'll tell you something I really learned about myself with the pandemic is even though I'm someone who's always enjoyed movement, you know, being an athlete, it's just something yeah. I've done, I realized- I need it for my nervous system. So I actually, this is going to sound really funny. uh, This is going to sound very Californian, but I took up surfing. And that, if I can go surfing at least one day, it sets me for the rest of the week. And I'll tell you a, a side story. I have a That we're we're, uh, collaborating on a project. He's a neuroscientist, and he was telling me about when you're surfing or any kind of movement that you do in which your eyes are moving, you're propelling your body. So it could be walking, it could be rowing, it could be all kinds of things. You you engage in something called optic flow. And I just love the sound of that. And what that does, it tells your brain, I am safe, I am moving. A predator can't get me because I am moving. (laughs) And then also, when our eyes can see the horizon, that also gives us a message to our nervous system that I am safe. So I would say part of my self-care is being out in nature at least once a week. And I I have to acknowledge my privilege. I I live near a beautiful ocean. Mm. Uh, I live near a lot of hiking trails and so on. And so doing these things. So part Mm. of it, I think, is figuring out for the individual what what works for you and what's doable. You know, I can't always get out and go surfing, to be honest. but, so, I, I look at things that I can do. And sometimes, you know what? So, oh my God, I got to tell you this. Sometimes self care is this I am too exhausted to push a microwave button for dinner. That's how tired I am. So, self care might mean I am call, I am using an app and having my, my meal delivered mm-hmm. or something like that. Yes. And the reason, yeah. So, yes. sometimes it's, it's these things that people will have shame about. It's like, you know what? You're exhausted. We're surviving a pandemic yeah. right now, we are witnessing t- historical trauma trauma yes. in the pandemic and then in the United States we got social justice trauma all kinds of stuff happening and then individuals people's lives being impacted and exhaustion is a normal consequence of all these things this is not being lazy I've had patients thinking they're being I, actually I gotta tell you this story so I had someone really struggling with intuitive eating and this is someone I've worked with for a while she goes I didn't do anything you said and by the way I'm not a dictator and and she was going tell me what was going on I said you sound exhausted And she started crying. And I said, I can see why doing some of the basic things we talked about, because she seemed pretty engaged at the time. I go, that doesn't sound realistic. So we talked. I said, so what if at meals you ask the question before you ate, how do I want to feel at the end of this meal? And that's your operating. Mm. That's your two-minute question. That's your intuitive eating for the next time period. What do you think? She loved it. So my point is we have to match what's going on with our, in our, in our yeah. lives. And sometimes self-care is, you know what, I'm taking the day off. I'm not moving my body. I'm not getting out in nature because I just need to go. Ah. And I think rest is probably the one that I, that I have struggled with, having adequate rest. Uh, and that includes naps and getting to bed on time. I'm like a little puppy. Sometimes I get excited about stuff and I'm up late. Oh, one more thing, one more. And next thing I know, it's like, oh my God, look at you. Look at yeah. you. Yeah. But I, I love talking about that because that's our humanity. It doesn't matter how much you know. It's looking at, we all have these obstacles and it's not that we have the obstacles. What do we do to overcome them most of the time? Not all the time, nobody's perfect, I'm no. not perfect.
1: And you know, and self-care matter. is just that, isn't it? It's there, what makes you feel good in that moment. And that will change sometimes hour by hour, day by day. And we have to keep updating ourselves. What do I need right now? And I love that question, like, how do I wanna oh. feel at the end of this meal? That is so simple and so doable and reachable. For anyone. And yet,
2: go ahead. I started interrupting.
1: No, go on. And yet.
2: Well, and yet, how difficult that question is to answer. How do I want to feel if you have not been connected to your body? This particular patient I was telling you about, uh, she'd been working on intuitive eating for a while. If this was someone brand new to this process, that might have been, I don't know. It could have been, if you, if you started that, think about your journey to recovery. If that was the first question, oh. that might seem too daunting. So I'm always careful. Anyone my listening- My answer would have been
1: thin. That, that, that would have been my whole answer.
2: Oh, oh wow, wow. So that, that's, a, that's a perspective on where your your mindset is, you yes, know? So maybe yeah, we look at yes, energy, sure. maybe not wanting to feel exhausted and all those kinds of things. So sometimes I, I ask my patients, if you're not sure what to do, maybe yourself this question what is the kind thing for me right now? What is the kind thing for my body right now? Cause it's hard to be a smart ass when you say kind.
1: Like that. <laughs> I love True. It. I'm going to repeat that back to you again and again, Laura, okay. when you're having okay. a bad day, what's the kind thing you can do Ooh. right now? I think that's beautiful. It it's lovely. Thank you. We actually have a question um, from (laughs) one of our listeners who, and I promised, I promised them that I would ask you. And she says, I have recovered from anorexia and I eat intuitively, but still feel guilty because I have a big appetite. And sometimes I eat a lot for a female, but I exercise six days a week. How would I start to overcome this guilt?
2: Well, that's a really good question. So let me first start off by saying, this is going to sound really weird, but it's great. She's connected to guilt. Guilt doesn't feel good. And I what I have learned and evolved in thinking is that guilt is a pathway to healing. The moment we're feeling guilty about our food choices or movement, it's an opportunity to say, oh what rule am I bumping up against right now? And then we look at it. Is this this a rule or belief that I value today? Is this serving me? Do I want to hold on to this? Maybe I need to be more flexible with it. So that's how we do it. It takes some repetition. And I want to say something from the gender aspect, you know, eating so much for a girl. Do you know, I, I didn't, this is not in my bio, but Get teased for how much I ate because I was training. I was lucky. I had pride in my body. It's like, yeah, man, I'm training like an athlete. I need to eat like one. That was my, and I never thought about it. Um, And I'm lucky that I, I, you know what I mean? And so when you're, if you're working out six days a week, well, then by definition, you're going to have more, more energy needs. So, so part of what's behind that question, it sounds like there's a little bit of comparison and that's what I call the comparison trap. And it's almost like asking, well, how much do you pee when you go to the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Because I want to make sure I pee just like you. <laughs> and I know it sounds
1: ridiculous, no, right? But I mean, the perspective on that. Is and if so she was dangerous. a man,
0: yeah. would a man ever ask that question? I feel like I eat a lot for a man. It just Never. wouldn't be a thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: So these are just clues on, on belief systems that maybe we want to start to mm-hmm. unpacking and, and look at this, maybe sort of, sort of, pride. I eat what my body needs. Some days it's more than other people. And other days it's, you know, it doesn't, it actually even doesn't matter, you know, that, yeah. and again, back to the peeing analogy, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's just like that. It's just, mm-hmm. and yet in our, in our society, we have this belief that we need to compare these ideas social media has fanned the flame on that one as well so it's understandable she would be asking these questions but what I want to say is mm, what matters is what is what what you need and what feels good to you only, only you will know what that is and congratulations on your recovery that's no easy task
1: Evelyn thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for being here for coming on our show, for bringing your voice, for writing your books, for doing the incredible work that you are doing. I personally am honored to be here with you. And you have very much changed my relationship with food and in turn, my relationship to myself. So I thank you.
2: Oh, thank you. You have no idea how good it is to me to hear that. So thank you so much.
1: Oh, no, hold on. Cancel.